This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. A good nerve Shabbos. And welcome to our special conversation today, which is indeed special. What a wonderful Erev Shabbos it is in South Africa and around the world, preparing for the Shabbos project. How exciting, how uplifting, how meaningful. Big thanks to the chief rabbi and his office for once again organizing the most unbelievable opportunity for people to experience, for people to share, for people to be uplifted, redirected, enriched in so many ways. And of course, it's happening around the world. And of course, the incredible Chalabake last night and Chalabakes and special Shabbos programs leading up to this Shabbos that are taking place in hundreds of places around the world. Yashar Koyach to our chief rabbi. And the Parsha, amazingly, dovetails, comes together, begins with something which so applies to the holy day of Shabbos as well as to all times. But let's begin. You know, there are four Parshas, four Torah portions, in which Abraham the patriarch features. At the end of the second portion, Noach, Noah, he is born. It doesn't feature much. And in next week's portion, which is Chayei Sarah, he's still there. But the main focus, the most wonderful getting to know with and living with Avraham Avinu, takes place last week and this week. Where, in the words of the previous Rebbe's father, that this is the truly joyous week because every single day we live with Avraham Avinu, who was the first one to have Mesiris Nefesh, to be Moiser Nefesh, to totally give himself over with courage and with absolute energy to spreading the name of God in the world. And the good news is that Abraham bequeathed, he gave to each one of his children, to every Jew as an inheritance, the potential for this Mesiras Nefesh, this dedication, self-sacrifice, putting oneself aside, the courage to proclaim God's name everywhere, wherever we go in whichever circumstances life takes us. So it's the second full Parsha about Avraham Avinu. These two, last week and this week, are totally dedicated to the exciting events in his life. So why divide them? Why not make them into one portion? What is the difference? Last week's Parsha, Avraham is instructed to go. He becomes God's emissary, and it culminates with him circumcising himself and all the males in his household. Avraham progresses. He goes from level to level. Avraham works to spread God's name. Avraham, a prince amongst men, wealthy, handsome, charismatic, and absolutely humble and dedicated the mission that God has entrusted him with, and in his search, his personal search, to be connected 
to be aware, to be sensitized, never to be disconnected, God forbid, from the creator of the universe. That was last week's parsha. He was not circumcised. It was as if he was doing his best to reach whatever levels he could with his own efforts, levels of dedication, spirituality, sensitizing himself until he was 99 years old. And 99 is just before 100. And we're told 100 is a perfect number. 10 times 10. Each one of us has 10 soul attributes. Three intellectual, seven emotional. He absolutely stretched himself. He absolutely did everything he could to work on himself, with himself, to the best of his ability, and he reached 99, because on his own he couldn't reach 100. And then God gave him the gift, once he reached 99, of a different type of awareness of godliness, a different type of connection, a different level indeed, similar to the 49 days between Pesach and Shavuot, where we count and we climb, and then... God gives us a gift, his Torah, as it were, the 50th level. As human beings, we can only reach thus far, but when we do our best and we stretch and we do everything in our own power to grow, then Hashem gives us infinite gifts and raises us to levels that we until now could not reach. And so at the end of last week's parsha, God commands him and gives him the gift of circumcision. After he had done 99 years of dedication, God now gives him the gift of circumcision, which is to elevate his sensitivities, to weaken his lust for physical things and strengthen his connection to spiritual things. And so it is with us. In every encounter, experience, effort, when we do our utmost, then we invite infinite participation. We invite God's blessings. We invite something which is so much bigger than we are, his help, his aid, which is unlimited. And we see it in our own lives. Whenever we strive, we try, we really shift. We do something in an active way that's different than before to serve Hashem, to do the right thing. Hashem takes big, big strides toward us, incredible strides, infinite strides. And as we always say, when Hashem arrives, He brings bundles of blessings, suitcases full, overflowing with all the blessings that we yearn for all the blessings that we need, and very often things we didn't even know we need, and that sense of being uplifted, that sense of achieving something, is not because of our own brilliance or our own abilities, but when we use our own potential to the best that we can, on a particular day, at a particular time, trying again tomorrow. The amazing thing is that Hashem brings us, He elevates us, He brings us to another level. And so, we begin this week's portion, beginning 
Parshas Vayera, where it is the third day after the circumcision. So last week's Parsha, Abraham makes tremendous efforts to do things. To the best of his ability, God gives him the gift of circumcision. And this week, very interestingly, everything that happened to him last week is going to somehow happen to him again. But this time, on a completely different spiritual plane. We'll be right back after this short break. This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. This is 101.9 Chai Fama, Mashi Lipsker. And it's Erev, Shabbos Vayera, an Erev, the Shabbos project. And Erev, a very special Parsha, portion, where we live, continue to live with Abraham and Sarah every day on their exciting journeys. An outward journey where, incredibly, they benefit the most. What a lesson to all of us. And Hashem appears to Avraham at the beginning of the Parsha. Last week is a Parsha of going, of doing. This week is the beginning of another level. The name of the Parsha is Vayera. And he revealed himself. And it's the third day after the circumcision. And we actually know the date. It was Pesach of his 99th year, the 15th of Nisan, the year 2047, since creation, 2047. Yes, Abraham was born in 1948. In 1948, since creation, which makes him the same as the state of Israel this, this century but counting from another time. And why did Hashem appear to Avraham? It was to pay a visit to the sick, to be mevaker chole. And Hashem now came, and Avraham is sitting at the entrance to the tent, because Avraham is looking for travelers to host. But Hashem had made it very, very hot on that day. It was so unnaturally hot so that no one would venture out on the roads because Hashem wanted to give Avraham a chance to rest and recuperate from his operation. And Hashem arrives to do that mitzvah of visiting the sick. And Avraham begins to stand up, and Hashem said, No, you remain seated. I will stand. And in this way, you will serve as a precedent for your descendants. Hashem said an amazing thing. He said, even though I will come, I will manifest my presence at every court case. God is there. I will not require everyone there to stand up in respect and recognition of God's presence. The judges may remain seated. It's an amazing thing. So from the very beginning, everything that happened to the patriarchs was a model, a lesson for what would in the future happen to their children. And here we have the story of Hashem telling Abraham to remain seated and he would stand. Now Hashem had intended to send three angels to Abraham, each one with a separate mission. But Hashem initially had intended to send them after Hashem had done the visit to Avraham to visit the sick. 
But when Hashem noticed, we're told, how disappointed Avraham was by the absence of guests, Hashem now changed it in a way. He sent these angels, looking like men, like mortal men, for Avraham to host. The angels now looked like men. So although they had come, and they were supposed to come to give Avraham news to do three things, and the Torah calls them men, not angels. And there are two reasons. Number one, God himself was there, and compared to God, you can't call them angels. They have powers, but very limited compared to God's. And also to indicate that even if they had revealed themselves to Abraham as angels, he wouldn't have been phased. He was used to angels. He was accustomed to them visiting him. And to him, he would have just expected them, received them, as if they were men. And we're told that Abraham was in pain. And he was changing his bandages. And then he looked up and he saw the three men were standing near him. And he saw that they were, didn't want to approach him because they saw that he was in obvious discomfort. So what did he do? He asked Hashem to wait. He wanted to welcome them. And he ran towards them from the entrance of the tent. And he Welcome them. What a story. God himself is visiting Abraham. And Abraham says, please wait a moment. I must welcome these guests. An incredible thing. Did he do the right thing? We're told that he absolutely did the right thing. And that Abraham's chesed, his loving kindness, his hospitality, is something we try and emulate until this very day. So how could he ask Hashem to wait? We learn hospitality from Avraham. What is the most important thing in hospitality? It isn't that you offer food. It isn't that you say, okay, come in. It isn't that you allow someone to take shelter in your home or eat of your food but it is in the way that you welcome them. It's about making them feel comfortable. It's about making them feel at home. What's the mitzvah? Because we know it's a mitzvah of hachnasas orchim, hachnasat orchim. He says, what's the key to really fulfilling it properly? Once you're doing the mitzvah, you want to do it right. It's sensitivity. The key to true Jewish hospitality is much more than just to give a free meal. You have to be fully focused on your guests. You have to be fully focused on their needs. You have to display sincere concern for their welfare, their comfort, take an interest in their conversation. In general, just to make them feel really welcome, really at home. And Avraham was the paradigm of such sensitivity to others. He's in the midst of talking to the creator of the world. He has a lofty, the loftiest guest, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Holy One, blessed be He. He notices three travelers. He excuses himself from Hashem's presence. And he runs 
to tend to their needs. And Hashem is pleased. He's pleased, and in truth, Abraham is blessed for doing this. We, too, have that capacity. We can care for others. We have a tremendous capacity to make others feel good. But take note, Avraham was involved with Hashem. Even when we are involved in our own spiritual activities, they may be lofty and focused, and of course they're pleasing to Hashem. And of course, we're so joyful to have achieved those levels in prayer, in mitzvahs, in Torah study. Hashem is very pleased, and we're very pleased. But when we see to the needs of others, nothing is more pleasing than this to Hashem. In fact, there's a story told about the first and the third, sorry, the first and the second Chabad Rebbe, the Alter Rebbe, and the Mittel Rebbe. And the Alter Rebbe lived in an apartment upstairs, and the Mittel Rebbe had an apartment downstairs. And once late at night, the Mittel Rebbe, who was known for his deep concentration and connection to Torah, was studying. He was deeply immersed in learning and studying, and did not hear when his child fell out of its bed and began to cry loudly. His father heard and came all the way down from upstairs, picked up the child, soothed the child, put the child back to sleep. And then he turned to his son and he said, We must never be that immersed in our own spiritual growth that we cannot hear the cry of the child. We'll be right back after this short break. This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. So as we were saying, the Alter Rebbe, Rabbi Schneir Zaman, lived upstairs, and he heard the child crying. The child, the baby, had fallen out of its bed, and the father who was next to the child in the same room, totally immersed in his studies, didn't hear. But the Zayda heard. And he said to his son, We must always hear the cry of a child. And the truth is that in our generation, we have many, many people who, according to the passport, are not children anymore. But many of us are still spiritually children. We haven't developed, we haven't grown, we don't know. And our soul, our neshama cries out. It cries out for knowledge. It cries out to be connected to godliness. It wants mitzvahs. It wants to express itself. And we who might know a little bit more have the obligation to hear the cries of the children all around us who the Creator by divine providence has brought into our space, into our lives, to our attention. And this, of course, was the life's work of the Lubavitcher Rebbe. In fact, interestingly, next week will be the yearly kinnis, the yearly gathering of the Rebbe's emissaries, his shlichim, his shluchim, from around the world. Can you imagine 
They expect about 4,000 rabbis and teachers, Chabad house directors, to descend upon the neighborhood of Crown Heights, the Rebbe's neighborhood. And there will be programs from the Wednesday night through Sunday night, culminating in a very big banquet to which not only are the emissaries, but their guests and their parents, they're all invited. It will be about 6,000 people. And our chief rabbi was there last year and had the opportunity not only to see, but to speak. And so it's a very big highlight. And the Rebbe was so tuned in to the cries of the children, the spiritually young throughout the world, to the point where today there are centers in almost every city where emissaries, young couples, go out. Every year there are more and more to start schools and congregations. And basically this thing called Chabad House, which is, have a home, you are welcome. Here you will find hospitality, like Avraham Avinu's hospitality. Come, eat with us, enjoy Shabbos and Yontif with us. Come to classes. Come with your problems, with your needs. Here is a place of shelter. Here is a place like Abraham and Sarah's tent, which was open on all four sides, signifying that everyone and anyone no matter their background, no matter the direction from which they come, are warmly welcomed in. And so, we are in the most awesome Parsha, because we can learn from Avraham in every single way. And it's not about, what's in it for me? I'm not so comfortable to have strangers. I don't know these people. I don't enjoy their company, etc. It's really about understanding that Abraham paved the way and that Abraham merited the most incredible, incredible achievements for others and elevation and connection with God that he yearned for, for himself. But it's like happiness. The more you give it away, the more you have it. And in this month, please God, on the 20th, which will be shortly, it will be, well, the end of next week. Oh, wait a minute. It's next week. We have the birthday of the fifth Chabad Rebbe, the Rebbe Rashab Rabbi Shalom Dov Ber. And the story is told that he came in to see his grandfather, the third Rebbe, the Tzemach Tzedek, on a Shabbos, and it was the Shabbos of this week, Parshas Vayera. He came in to get a blessing for his birthday, and he burst into tears. He was four or five years old. And the Zeta said, why are you crying? He said, because I learned in Cheder, I learned in the Torah now that the Abishter, the Holy One, blessed be he, the master of the universe revealed himself to Abraham, our patriarch. And I'm crying, why doesn't Hashem reveal himself to me? And that cry, the cry of a, a future leader, is the cry of our souls. We yearn for revelation, connection, to be sensitized to the spiritual, to feel the connection 
because in essence we are not just higher animals. Seeking pleasure and comfort, we're in a different category. Humans have the power to reason, to decide, and to choose. And true joy for us is not in buying a new dress, getting a new car. It's not about a yacht or a house or an antique. It's not about a delicious dinner. It's not about a piece of art. It's about soul connection. It's not about achievements like, wow, I won the heart of the most handsome man, the wealthiest guy, the most beautiful woman, so intelligent and so vivacious, is, is close to me. It's about eternal joy and connection, something that we take with us, something eternal. It takes ongoing work and dedication, and from that you get such clarity. The spiritual joy, the eternal joy, it's not like I ate today, I have to eat tomorrow. It's something that you keep with you. Which brings to mind the story of Reb Mendel Futterfass, that beloved mashpia, that beloved mentor in the yeshiva, who spent all those years in Siberian um, concentration camps um, for his work in the Soviet, the then Soviet Union, bolstering Judaism, Yiddishkeit. And Reb Mendel tells how it was winter and they would be marched out every morning pre-dawn and the days were very short in the winter up there in Siberia, a few hours and it was dark again. He did not have to fill in and he did not have, he did not have a talis and a prayer book. We told the story last week, I think. So he decided he's going to pray the Mincha prayer every day. It's short. You can do it in quite a space of time there and it's something he felt was doable. And one day they marched them out and he couldn't find the privacy he needed to hide from the warders. And the warder that he had there was a particularly vicious man, hated Jews and hated religion. And then he saw the sun is going down and soon he wouldn't be able to daven mincha. So he ducked behind a tree and he quickly prayed. And just as he was finishing, the warder found him, beat him unconscious. He hovered between life and death for three weeks in the infirmary and eventually took him a long time to regain his strength. One day, the door of their barracks opened, the door of their terrible, terrible, meager room opened up and a new prisoner was brought in. And then they recognized him. He was the previous warder. He'd been found stealing. He was stealing food. And he was demoted. And now he was one of them. And Mendel says, he told the students, at that moment, the teaching became so clear to me that you can take away everything in life, power, status, wealth. He said, look what happened to that man. He had everything a warm room, a comfortable bed, a uniform, honor, food. He was in charge. But in one moment it was taken away from him. He said, but that mincha, that afternoon prayer that I prayed that day and poured my heart into is mine forever. Nobody can ever take that away from me. And so it is with the real achievements in life, the education that we give our children, the Sabbaths that we keep, the hospitality we extend, 
the care for others, the recognition that God runs this world and that he is ever-present and are stretched to try and please him all the time. We are not animals. Kiner Hashem Nishmat Adam. The candle of Hashem is the soul of man. And that soul constantly flickers upwards, yearning to be joined with its source. So the fifth Rebbe, even as a child, wanted so much to experience what Avraham Avinu had experienced. He was already sensitized to the concept he wants God to appear to him, reminiscent of the story that the Alter Rebbe, the first Chabad Rebbe, wanted to bless one of his special Hasidim with wealth. And the Chassid demurred. He declined. He says, I don't want wealth, which will distract me from my Torah study, my prayer. And then the Rebbe wanted to bless him with long years. He said, yes, but not the long years of a peasant who have eyes but don't see, ears that but don't hear. If I can't be connected with godliness, I don't want it. And so in last week's parasha, Hashem changes Abraham's name, and he gives him a gift, a permanent covenant in the flesh. And now our parasha this week opens. It's the third day of the bris, and Hashem has come to visit Levaker et Avraham. And this is an example of visiting the sick, Bikur Cholim. And the question is asked, why didn't he come earlier? Why did he wait for the third day? With a mitzvah, if Hashem is modeling mitzvahs for us, we must run to do a mitzvah. But he didn't come earlier, because every mitzvah that we do is meant to affect the entire material universe, including our physical body. And in order for that to really happen, we really have to do it. That's why action is so important. It has to be done in a natural way, in a non-miraculous way. You know, the Zohar says that it's preferable to pay the full price for the performance of a mitzvah and not to look for a bargain and not to look for a discount. The holy Arizal was always willing to pay the full price. And here, pain accompanies an operation, and the natural pain that comes with circumcision is a significant ingredient in the fulfillment of the actual mitzvah, and that's why God waited until the third day, because when God would come, he would not only visit him, but he brought him complete healing. We learn that when you visit a sick person, you take away a measure, a sixtieth of their illness, both Welcoming guests and visiting the sick are chesed, loving kindness, taught to us by Abraham or with Abraham. We need to live in the natural world. At every turn, we then also need to exhaust our own abilities when we stretch ourselves to the full capacity of our own self-refinement, when we really strive, we really do something to shift. We change the way we do things. Even if it's one thing in the right direction, take something like kosher. When we strengthen or improve our level of kosher, if God forbid we're not kosher yet, remembering that kosher is the right fuel for a human body. If you really want to run on a on, on 
fuel that agrees with the machine, it's kosher. But let's say you're not yet kosher. Change something. Start to think the way Tyra thinks. Tyra believes that kosher is the healthiest way to eat. And we strive. We make steps in the right direction. When we toil to attain the highest levels of divine consciousness that we possibly can, then Hashem comes to circumcise, which means to remove blockages, to open our hearts and our sensitivities. And this is the patriarch Abraham. And this is what he has given us as an inheritance. And this week, this week we have an opportunity to connect with Jews around the world who will be keeping Shabbos. And thanks to the chief rabbi, who in last week's Jewish report already mapped it all out. You know, Shabbos is connected to having guests, to doing kindness for others, to that type of sharing. You know, when you have a guest at your table, a guest at your table enhances your Shabbos. In Ethics of Our Fathers, we are taught, let your house be open wide. Treat the poor members of society as members of your own family. It's always been a strong Jewish tradition to open our homes and our hearts to our fellow Jews on a daily basis, the year round, especially on Shabbos and Yontif. And when we have guests, it really enhances the Shabbos. The guest and the host feel special. Everybody's good feelings are heightened. The conversation is enlivened. We give to one another. It's a mutually successful experience. Everybody has it in their DNA, a good Jewish heart. And then, what about inviting someone who's never experienced Shabbos before? He's not materially poor, but spiritually, he might be lacking. On the passport, he might be grown up, but in his spiritual development, he's still a child. If there's somebody that you can encounter who's never really experienced the high points of his or her tradition, when they join you, their questions, their interests, their wonder can add another dimension to our own experience. We'll be right back after this short break. This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. All around us, Hashem brings opportunities for our own growth. But it's about stretching. And yes, there might be a stranger, and you know just a little bit more than they do, a stranger to Yiddishkeit, someone that you know, but they don't know some of the things that you've learned. We have an obligation to share, to share not only our home and our heart, but to share our knowledge. Let's remember, none of us is too big, too elevated to do this vital, important work. In fact, our matriarch Sarah, the heroine, the queen of the Parsha, she was kind and helpful to all those in need. She was wealthy. She was a princess, a queen, the wife of the honored godly prince, Avraham. But she put aside all of that pride or station in life 
and every single day she sat at the entrance of her large tent so she could be there to welcome, to invite weary travelers, strangers, to come inside, refresh themselves at her tables with food, with drink. Surely, if she could do that, we, her children, have the ability and the obligation to follow in her ways because every Jew is a child of Abraham and Sarah, a child of Isaac and Rivka, a child that comes from the patriarchs and in our DNA, we have their ability for chesed, for noticing what others need and making them feel uplifted, meeting their needs. In fact, there's a saying that Rabbi Schmelke of Nicholsburg used to say that the poor man does more for the rich man than the rich man does for the poor man, and the guest does more for the host than the host does for the guest. And it's so true. It's an amazing, amazing partnership we not only need to avail ourselves of, but to bring God the incredible nachas. Why does he make a person needy or wanting and another one have the wherewithal to help that person, to fill that person's need? That is the way of giving the one who has greater merits. Whatever we have, there was a, a great Rebbe who could not sleep at night if there was money in the house. Knowing that there were poor people in town who needed it, he would empty out his house at night of money. Otherwise, he couldn't sleep. We all have that capacity to love, to care, to give to others. And this Shabbos is so linked to giving. And there will be communal meals. People will gather together and share. And obviously, our own joy will be enhanced. Think about it. When you prepare for a guest, you're preparing for a guest, there's excitement. It gives you so much. A guest is coming. Wow. There's so much to do. We want to express ourselves. We want to please them, etc. And so let's look at Shabbos as the Gemara tells us. We're told that Hashem said to Moshe Rabbeinu, I have a precious gift in my treasure house. Shabbos is its name. Go and tell Israel, I wish to present it to them. You know, when someone gives someone else a gift, he hopes that the one he's giving it to is going to appreciate it and look after it. You know, if you give someone an important or expensive gift, and the gift is then not treasured, but, God forbid, abused. The one who gives it is horrified. He's upset. But if it's appreciated and valued, the giver is elated. He's joyous. And so it is with this gift called Shabbos. Hashem says, it is a gift that I have in my treasure house. Go and tell the people of Israel I want to give it to them. And on Shabbos morning, in the davening, in the prayers, we say, Yismach Moshe b'matnas chiltoi. May Moshe rejoice with the giving of his portion. In other words, we imply that we, the people, should show the highest degree of appreciation for this gift, Shabbos. Because nothing would make Moshe happier than the knowledge 
that Hashem's gift of Shabbos is being honored and treasured and is beloved to each and every Jew. Each one of us should be ecstatic that Shabbos is coming. You know, if you have a distinguished guest who's honoring you with his presence, what would you do? You'd get busy, get the house into order, organize everything, throw out the junk, paint the house. A very important guest is coming. Well, every week we get a queen. We get royalty. And that's the Shabbos. And we go that extra effort. We polish the candlesticks. We polish the the silverware. We put fresh linen on the beds. We cover the table with a fresh white tablecloth. And we don't uncover the table throughout Shabbos. Everybody bathes, dresses in their best. And no matter how many helpers, no matter how many housekeepers or servants we might have, it's our obligation, each one of us, every man, woman, and child, to personally honor Shabbos. To personally do something to welcome, to anticipate Shabbos' coming. Even the greatest sages would themselves do something, some menial chore, as it were, in honor of the forthcoming Shabbos. The Gemara, the Talmud tells us, for example, that Rabbi Chizda would cut the vegetables very fine for Shabbos. Yes, there were others to do it. Rabbi Chizda chopped the cabbage. Reb Zeyre lit the fire over which the Shabbos food was going to be cooked. Reb Nachman used to put the house into order. He would put away all the weekday things. And then there's an interesting something that's pointed out, that sometimes, with the pressure, there's a hectic flurry of cooking and cleaning and getting ready and having to be ready in the right time. And sometimes people get irritated. Tempers can flare. Our sages tell us that that's the Yetzirah. The evil inclination sees what an awesome thing we are doing and he begrudges us the joy, the serenity that's soon going to be ours. Just need to remember. Hang in there. Shabbos is coming. Just remember, soon peace and joy will descend. And just remain calm. Hashem will help us. We're going to get there. Beautiful little story about an old woman who was asked to reminisce about her youth. She worked in the household of the Hasidic master Reb Elimelech of Lezhensk. She said, actually, I can hardly remember anything about those years, but one thing has remained engraved inside of me. She said, during the week, we all worked there in the household. They worked in the kitchen, they worked in the household. And she said, there were arguments. People got angry with each other. It was a very hassled atmosphere in that kitchen. But when Shabbos arrived, she remembers, they all hugged, begged forgiveness from one another, and made up. Shabbos is a journey, and every Shabbos, we're told, is higher than the the week before. It's a day of delight before Hashem. We remember creation of the world, and we remember Exodus from Egypt. Hashem rested. We rest. But it's much, much more than that. We rejoice with the incredible gift of Shabbos. We we rejoice 
We make the day holy. We keep the day special. So many beautiful observances, candlelighting, kiddush, festive meals, dressing in special clothes, praying, listening to the Torah being read in the shul, and studying and discussing portions of Torah. It's a day indeed of great, great potential and merit. And don't forget, before lighting the Shabbos candles, which this week will be in Johannesburg at 6.02 or by 6.02, give some coins to Tzedakah. Our sages tell us that the Shabbos candles light up the world. They light up the house. They illuminate every member of the family with the light of Torah to safely guide them through the week and through life. And it illuminates our hearts. At that time, it's an appropriate time to pray for our needs. The woman prays for her husband and her children. She names each child. She beseeches Hashem to send the needs of each child. And on the power of her blessing, her prayers, her personal prayers are pushed up. A little girl from the age of three already adds her light. May we merit in the merit of Shabbos to see the lights of Zion, to see the light of the redemption, to see this world peaceful, united, and connected with the Creator Himself. Good Shabbos.